Welcome to Signs of Life, Exploring Survival of Consciousness, brought to you by Forever Family Foundation, on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting. An echo can never be changed So I call your name Your name Hello and welcome to The Gathering on Signs of Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bob Ginsberg. I'm, I'm here with Tom and Melissa Gould. Uh, the Gathering is where we gather to talk about uh, questions that you've sent in or feel free to call us, join in the discussion. Maybe you have a question. The number here is 888-627-6008. And before we get going, I just wanted to mention uh, it's it's been a tough uh, couple weeks for the foundation. We lost two of our own. We, we, uh, Dr. Claude Swanson, who's the uh, former president of Forever Family Foundation, passed to spirit recently. Uh, Claude was a, a brilliant scientist. Uh, he uh, did his undergraduate work at MIT. He got his PhD from Princeton. He had a stellar career in the private sector as a physicist. And then he started searching for evidence of the things that we talk about um, and pretty much uh, left the corporate life to devote his, the rest of his life to uh, inv- investigating uh, non-physical uh, subjects. So uh, uh, he wrote some some tremendous uh, books, and uh, we will miss him terribly. And then, of course, um, over the past few days, uh, Janet Nohavik, a certified medium of Forever Family Foundation. Um, I think Tom and Melissa will agree that she – uh, epitomized uh, mediumship at the highest level. She was trained, uh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, Arthur Finley uh, and and um, a former Catholic nun, which was really, you know, interesting that mm-hmm. she had that, you know, perspective. And uh, she uh, volunteered for many um, retreats and events that we have done. She used to donate a church to us once a year and we used to have an event there and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful person with a tremendous sense of adventure too. I remember uh, I would, she'd come to our conventions and retreats and I'd be looking for her and she winds up getting up like at six in the morning to walk on the beach or explore some cave or, you know, she was just always out and about. So, um, uh, our condolences to the family of both the, the Swansons and uh, the family of Janet Nohavik. We will miss them terribly. Uh, and now, I guess we will get to um, some questions that you have uh, written in. If you didn't get a chance, call us, 888-627-6008. Uh, let's see. So we have a question here. Um do spirits go in and out of our lives? And, uh, he writes, probably varies with each spirit, I suppose. Or are they with us as in around our physical space constantly? After all, we are in the same space, just in a different dimension or vibrational plane. I get the sense that they are with us constantly. 
and we communicate with them telepathically and they hear us and they may respond as in my case. Um, so th- there's a question it's put a little bit differently, but it's a question we get a lot. I mean, are they always involved with our life? Are they with us, you know, constantly? Um, I, I, I don't, my personal opinion is that they're not with us constantly because there's really no need for that. I, you know, I mean, I, I've thought about this, you know, it, it, in quantum physics, you know, we talk about collapse of a wave function when, when, um, when something is observed, it doesn't exist until it's, you know, an observe, conscious observation brings it, collapses the wave. It's not the same thing, but I, I think of it like somehow if we reach out to our loved ones in spirit, whether it be a verbal communication or a strong thought intention, somehow it's similar. It collapses that wave of communication. It draws their attention to us. And, and, and that's how we, you know, they know when we really need to talk to them. So, um, so my answer to that would be that, yeah, they are always remain a part of our lives, but they're not, um, always with us at every moment. What do you guys think? Uh, (laughs) Well, I would agree with what you said, Bob. That's how I feel that they could be. As we say at the end of our program, they're only a heartbeat away. They're right there if we, if we, I hate to say, summon them, need them. But I, I, I believe that, and I, and I don't think they're just like with us, like our shadow at every move. I don't see any point in that. We're right. our lives freely. So, yeah, there's actually two answers to that. One is yes, and one is no. <laughs> And actually, and both could be right in in certain senses. I, I know there was a reading that uh, we Melissa got that my father was there, and he mentioned, "Well, you know, I'm, after this reading, I'm going out there, and I'm going to ride on the back of this jet ski all day long, and he'll never even know I'm there." Suggests that yeah, they go different places, but then there's another instance where um, if you read the the Seth series of books, Seth Speaks, he talks about your soul having kind of like tentacles and that at the end of each tentacle, you're living in existence. So you can be, your spirit can be in more places than one simultaneously. So uh, there's an old expression that if you keep them in your heart, they live in your heart. So as long as you have love for the person, they will be always there. Uh, but but consciousness, and we're all talking about survival of consciousness, the, the conscious soul uh, can go where it wants to go, like my father riding on a, a jet ski. So... Uh, and as Melissa say, if you need them and you talk to them and call them by name, I, I know Melissa had a, a great uh, example she used to say uh, about if you're at a party and somebody mentions your name across the room, uh, not talking to you necessarily, but your name comes up, your ears perk up and you immediately are drawn to that. Well, what, 
you know, what are they saying about me? So I think it's the same for uh, the spirit world, that if you are missing your loved ones, which you're doing most of the time anyway, but if, you, if you're feeling down and, and you call out to them or, or speak to them or tell them how much you love them or miss them, yeah, they will be right there. Yeah, it's almost as if they can sense, you know, our emotion, or they can, you know, so yeah. emotion enhances the, the probability of of them contacting us. Here's um, another one, um, you know, I lost my son three years ago and my husband a year and a half. I've been told by a medium that they can't get through to me because my grief is too intense. What can I do about that? Um, well, you know, certainly... Find another medium. Mediums have told mediums have told us that grief can inhibit um, receiving communication, all sorts of types of, of communication. On the other hand, um, a lot of people that go to mediums are in grief, and and the loved ones still come through. So, you know, I mean, it, I don't want to be cynical, but you know, if the medium is not making a connection, um, it's easy for them to say. You, you're too much in grief, you know, which may or may not be true. But um, I wouldn't think that it's impossible for you to, you know, to, to get a reading despite the, the heavy grief that you're in. Did this questioner seem to indicate it's just it's been more than one medium that tells them that? Well, um, I've been told by a medium. So it was one medium that said that. Yeah. I know, I know we often at our the, the grief retreats when we talk about signs, people say, I don't get any signs from my loved one. And it's sometimes because their grief might be so overwhelming to them, they really can't get out of their own heads to open their eyes and hearts to, to feel and sense them. Mm. But they think, I know years ago when Fran and I and a few other um, of our associates went to medium training with Doreen Malloy, one of our certified mediums. And Doreen guided us to connect, communicate with our loved ones. And we, we each took turns and with Doreen guiding us, Everyone seemed to be making a connection. I know with my experience, I was expecting some big aha, kind of like now I've got it, but it wasn't. It was just so subtle. It was just like my own thoughts I was expressing. And yet, you know, when guided by Doreen as to, well, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? I think you experienced the same thing with Angelina Diana when she had a development course. So I think people, people often feel like the communication has to be something kind of big and loud and um, real attention getting. So the medium in this case, you know, might've just been using that kind of as an excuse. Well, you raise a a good point in that um, a lot of people have this, misconception about mediumship that it's you know it's like bam in your face you know it's like but medium the information medium the information that mediums get sometimes is just as you described it's very subtle and it's more of a sense of presence and it's sometimes it's difficult to you know for them to 
communicates uh, specific facts. Yeah, um, preconceived expectations of what a sign is supposed to be. I know there are uh, mediums who say, well, pick a sign and ask for a sign. So people who hang their hat on that uh, might be disappointed. I think 90% of the signs that people get there are dismissed by coincidence or, uh, oh, you know, that happened, which is why we uh, recommend keeping a journal. If you, you know, again, something as simple as you turn on the radio and your loved one's favorite song is playing. Could be a sign, could be coincidence, but if you just write it down, and were you thinking about the per what happened right before that? Were you thinking about them? Write that down, or you see a, a feather on the ground and go, well, that's interesting, but, you know, it could be a coincidence. But, again, were you thinking about your person and you write that down and then if you keep a journal all those little things the coin uh here or the you know the feather there the bird or the butterfly all the different things that could just coincidentally happen in your life but if you write them down and then go back six months or a year later and read through the journal you might see a pattern that, oh my goodness, those were signs and and, and that you were getting them. And, and, it, and how they made you feel. Like, well, what, exactly. Were you thinking about your loved one or you just turned on the radio? There was the song. It was like, oh my goodness, that, that song has special meaning for me. Right. And it's how it makes you feel. So it, it, bottom line. And also, it's important maybe not to overshare with non-believers because they'll just cut you right down and and make you feel worse sometimes. Yeah. Um, here's one. I've done guided visualiza- visualiza- visualizations where I have invited my deceased dad to join me, and he usually appears to be in his 30s, 40s, or 50s. Recently, though, he appeared much younger, about the time he would have been, a Navy officer in World War II about 13 years before I was born. It was amazing to see him so young. How is that possible? Um, you know, look, it, it makes sense. I'm, I I look at a picture that somebody takes of me now, and I kind of, I look at myself and I say, man, like, when did I get old? You know, I mean, I, I don't particularly enjoy looking, you know, at a picture of myself now. Um, but recently I was looking at, um, I was cleaning out my drawer and I saw pictures of me in college. And then when I first got married in my very early 20s, and I said, wow, you know, I'm healthy and thin, I look good. So if I you know, when I pass over, if I want to come to my loved one in a dream visit, I'm not going to come as old man Bob. I'm going to come as Bob in his 20s, you know, yeah. maybe without the long hair and the beard. But but <laughs> but um, so it, it makes sense. Right. I mean, your dad would come to you. Sure. He 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 thought you'd get a, a kick out of seeing him when he was so young and appreciate that. So um, and how is it possible there? um we no longer have bodies in the other world. You know, we're free uh, from the shackles of the physical body. So we could manifest 
anybody that we want. So it's, you know, whether it's young or old, that's it, still possible. I want you to send me those pictures, Bob. I want to see. Yeah, you, you, you laugh your ass off, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be able to recognize you when you come to me, if you go first or if I go oh, first. Oh, yeah, okay. We have a wall of pictures of you. I'll send, I'll send you, uh, you know, of course, they were Polaroids back then. So yeah. when I'm getting ready to go, I'll I'll, I'll fed, FedEx you some of those photos so you'll know when I appear that they, that's, that's right. me. I'll, I want to recognize you. They're Polaroids. You mean you weren't dressed? <laughs> <laughs> I Well, th- there there are some of those, too, but those are what I'll send you because I will be clothed when I come to visit uh, Melissa. <laughs> For you, Tom, anything goes, but for, you know, I have to be respectful. Um, <laughs> this, you refer to your retreats as grief retreats. Do you mean taking a retreat from your grief or a retreat gathering for those in grief? I get what she means. It's, uh, I think it, it's, it's both, right? I mean, in, in a sense, I, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we would love it if you can. Just take a breather, you know, from your grief for a while. In that sense, it is a retreat from your grief, but it's a retreat in the classical sense too, you know, that so uh, you know, that's interesting. Um ever think that our earthly existence is what some religions call hell? Uh, all of us here have been sent here because of the hardship or disease or misfortune that can happen, as opposed to other realms where those things don't exist. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I remember Fran used to say to me often, you know, um, you know, when we got on the subject, well, no, this is hell, you know, I mean, everything else is, you know, is different from here. So, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, th- this is the only place that you can suffer, really, you know, I mean, you're not going to suffer where we're going. So in that sense, you know, hell, but of course, people have wonderful lives, you know, here and have a lot of joy as well. But I think the possibility of of bad stuff happening, you know, sort of makes it, you know, that hellish type of of existence. Yeah. It does make sense because apparently when you're spirit, you're, you're unencumbered and you, you fly here, you go there, you transport yourself to another planet or another time. And you, 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 Ride on somebody's jet ski, you're having fun, uh, and and then you come to Earth, and it's like you put shackles on. You can you can't fly anymore, you, and, and and the older you get, you can barely even walk, and then all the aches and pains and and the hardships and yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> it's not it's definitely not what I would call heaven. Although, as you say, there are plenty of Good moments. Great moments that yeah. feel heavenly. So, right. The, there's some questions that came in last week, and I don't think that we got to them. And if we did, you'll have to remind me. There was one um, Do you have instant knowledge and memories of all of the lives you've lived once you cross over? Um, got me. You got, I, yeah, you got me. I, I, I don't know. I, I, so when mediums communicate with somebody, uh, it's obvious that you in the afterlife realm have your personalities and, and memories because that's how they're able to bring through. Mediums, 
if you remembered all of the, had all the memories from all of your past lives, wouldn't you think the mediums would be tremendously confused and start giving you information about your life like 200 years ago or, or whatever. So um, now you could also make the argument that, well, maybe that's why some of this stuff doesn't, doesn't make sense because that's, that's a memory or a personality from a previous life. So I don't know the answer to that. You guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's parse probably mostly because it's the spirit doing the communication. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, there's a medium. The medium can communicate. And yes, they, they can. They can understand the communication, but they can't initiate the communication. They, you can't come in and say, oh, I want to talk to, or like me, come in and I want to talk to John Lennon. Can you call, call up John Lennon? No, you can't. Only if John Lennon wanted to talk to me, would I be talking to John Lennon. So it's the same with your, your loved ones. And they communicate in ways that you will understand. So clearly you couldn't understand a past life. So they're not even going to bring that stuff up, whether they know about it or not. I'm not sure, but they're certainly not going to bring it up. If they're trying to get through to you, they're going to stick with things that, you know, I mean, I do re- know that in some readings you'll get, uh, Oh, I've got your grandmother here who's saying that she's looking after you and the kids and that sort of thing. And the sitter will go, well, I never knew my grandmother. So, you know, it's nice to hear from them. And in the midst of this reading that you get, you will get people that you didn't, certainly that you didn't expect to hear about from, but then you will get people that you didn't even know or, or a spirit knows that you work in an office with, the, the the wife of a spirit and oh you're gonna see my wife you know tomorrow tell her this uh, about me and she never you know I just worked with the wife in, in an office I never met her husband and yet here's the husband coming through and talking to me and again that's uh, the mediums are just conduits and they're not a lot of them I mean there are a lot of them but they're not enough to reach everybody and, and every spirit that wants to communicate with their living loved ones, they won't be in the, in the vicinity of a medium. So they have to do whatever they can to try to get messages through. And if they see a medium, they'll come to that medium and, and, and try to get a message. And sometimes the medium won't know who they're talking about. Uh, yeah. So, I lost track of the question. Yeah, I, I, I lost track of the answer. <laughs> well, it's it's because it's it's not an easy answer. The fact of the matter is we don't know, but right. we can only we can only assume. Does a person's grudge against another die with that person, or does spirit hold on to this energy? Well, we can only go by our experience by observing mediums. I mean, when they're bringing through people in spirit, you don't hear about grudges or anger or or resentment you know it's all it's mostly you know loving and compassionate so does does that mean that um all spirits um immediately give up 
you know, grudges once they get there? You know, perhaps not. You know, perhaps it's a gradual thing. You know, they say that we are over there what we were here, at least initially. So, you know, they have uh, maybe they hold a grudge, but I don't think it lasts for, for that long. Plus the fact that they're, they have a totally different perspective now that they're in a different realm. Um, and maybe they see things that we weren't able to see or they weren't able to see when they were in the physical. So the grudge may seem ridiculous because, you know, to, to them. So uh, I don't think, I mean, do, you, do you think that people hold grudges in the afterlife? You know, I, I often talk about, uh, I believe that there is a life review. And I think in that life review, whatever uh, the person may have experienced that would have caused the grudge to begin with is now looked at in a different way. That's true. Processed in a different way and, and, you know, worked out and dissolved. And so there would not be any grudge. And it's challenging sometimes when the person who had the grudge or had, who had maybe done something unkind or downright nasty to a, to a living person and comes back. We've heard this before that the person getting the reading says, Oh, I don't want to hear from him. You know, he was not nice to me, but if, you know, if you can see the bigger picture and know that they're not that person any longer, or they are, but they've learned because we hear that personalities stay intact. Yeah. But they understand the error of their ways. Yeah. We've, uh, I, in the many readings that I've witnessed, I have never had somebody coming through with a grudge. But as Melissa said, there's countless times when somebody comes through to apologize for their misbehaviors so uh, if they you know basically uh i would think all is forgiven at that point and they're hoping that you forgive them here for the nastiness that they portrayed while they were here right um in deaths that are premature such as an accident or a murder etc of someone's uh, that was young is there a moment of conscious choice to let go versus fight to stay? Um, I, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with um, being young or old when the time comes. Um, everything seems to point that we all have that choice um, of to let go versus fight. You know, sometimes we're told basically that we have to fight because we're sent back when we, when we want to let go, you know, that that's what yeah. we read from, you know, the near death experience reports. Um, so that moment, there is a, mo- a moment of conscious choice, but I don't know that it has anything to do with, you know, uh, whether it was an accident or whether there was an illness. So. That's yeah, I think, point. uh, Basically, when your number's up, your number's up. And we've heard, again, countless uh, accounts uh, in the near-death experience where people not only were close to death, but they were flatlined. They were clinically dead. And they say that they met a being on the other side who said, oh, no, it's not your time. And you go back. So... Regardless of age, 
you know, if, if, if you die at childbirth or, or you die when, you know, at very young age, that's what you were here for, for whatever reason, whether it was to a lesson for your family or, you know, who knows exactly what the purpose is, but there are people who come to the planet who are only going to be here a short time. Uh, and, and as we um, just mentioned, if it is your time, you will go. <laughs> and if it's not, uh, you'll come back. Now, there, that being said, there are plenty of readings that I've seen where the uh, person who passes, the spirit comes back and the, say it was a mother and the daughter is the sitter who's all uh, frustrated because or, or, or feeling guilty because they wanted to be there at the time of the passing and they get up to go to the bathroom or go to the nurse's station and when they come back, the person has passed and they feel horrible about it. And then when in the reading, the mother from the other side says, no, I didn't want you there at the time, so I waited until you left and then I passed. So yeah, well, you're, here you're being psychic again because the next question was, when one transitions alone, alone, do they hear and know you got there too late? Do they still feel your love? So that's that was the next very next question, which you're you're addressing right now. Yeah. Um, so of course they still feel your love, you know, and and like you you were you were saying, Tom, the um, we see a lot of reports of people that are very, very close to death and they hang on because they want to see their, to be with their loved one when they pass. But we see an equal number of reports of people who, for, for the opposite reason, they don't want their loved one there. You know, they don't want the loved one to have to see them transition that, you know, so they, they purposely transition before you, you know, you actually get there. So it seems to be an even split. Um, I don't know, you know, how that decision is made, but uh, but either way, your physical presence of being there, they're still gonna gonna feel your love. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. Um, let's see. Sometimes I have memories of things that happened when I was very young, but when I try to verify these experience experiences with family members or friends. They are not aware of what I remember. Is it possible that these are past life memories? Um, yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, you know, why not? I mean, that does happen a lot. I, you know, that where it's happened to me, you know, I, I remember something kind of vividly and nobody can verify it. And they say, no, I, I don't remember anything like that. So that's strange. Um, but Certainly, in my case, I know my memories fade, so uh, that could be a reason too, um, or maybe uh, something similar happened, and my, my mind is filling in the details to try to make sense of it. So, but I, but I mean, in the first part of it, I think that may be true. I mean, if you believe in past lives, you, you know, maybe some of these memories carry over. I know that. They usually fade by adulthood, but not all, right? I work with young children, and I remember one of my students, the mom was 
rather upset that the, the her daughter kept talking about when she lived in the yellow house with her other mommy. And I, of course, being me, was fascinated by this, and I wanted to know more information, but the mom wanted to shut it down. And and I wanted I was like quite interested. Like, tell me more. What else do you remember? Yeah. I um a lot of medium questions. I have read that some mediums use cold reading techniques. What does that mean? Um, a, a fraudulent medium will uh, make assumptions based upon what they see or what information they picked up. They'll look at you. They see uh, your approximate age, maybe uh, you have an accent, you know, your ethnicity, um, and they'll make, uh, they'll look for slight body movements when they make a statement. And if they see a slight acknowledgement, they'll jump on that. Or if they see, you know, the opposite, you know, they'll they'll move on to something else. So, um, you know, I, I think that even evidential mediums, subconsciously might be using, you know, um, such techniques, even though they're not even aware of it. Because I've seen really good mediums that are in the middle of a reading um, and they'll mention, you know, somebody's, you know, mom and they'll see the look on the sitter, like, you know, a, a body movement that would tell them that no mom is still here and they'll immediately pivot. I watch those things, you know, so I think it's, it doesn't mean the medium fraudulent. We know that they're really a really good medium, but they're also human and we pick up on interactions. We were always reading people and observing people. So that seeps in, but the truly fraudulent mediums will base the entire reading on the, on these techniques. So uh, it's something to really look out, look out for. Um, How many times have we heard this? Why can't mediums get first and last names? Um, sometimes, well, sometimes they get first names. I've, I've seen plenty that they'll just come up with a name. I, you know, a lot of times they'll just say, well, I got a, a B name, like a Bob or a Barber or a Bill, you know, right. And, and try to narrow it down that way. But, uh, and we don't know how they're getting the information. If they're hearing, um, uh, uh, or if they're seeing kind of a bee, or if they're seeing a book. Or their brother them. Bill. Oh, I've yeah. got, you know, why do they show me my brother Bill? Well, do we have what? a Bill here? Or, you know, does Bill mean anything to you? Because, again, the thing to remember, mediums, it's not one size. All mediums are not the same. And I often equate mediumship with playing the violin because many mediums will say well you don't need me you can do this yourself well yeah but if i want to hear a great violin piece i want somebody who is practiced and can really play and so yeah where you have a, a medium who has a connection but then you have another medium who's got a really great connection you're going to get better information and and you know everybody can play the violin but most people sound like they're in an elementary school orchestra and not many sound like they're playing at carnegie hall yeah well and you know as, as you mentioned the mediums get information in different ways now some mediums actually 
hear, um, you know, spirit, you know, uh, talking, but many do not. They get information in other ways. And really hard to get an exact first or last name because it's not like telephone line where they're saying, my name is Alexander, you know, so they, they, they may be getting an image, you know, or, or, uh, or even uh, like a photograph pops into the medium's mind or, uh, you know, some sort of clue that this person in spirit is trying to get through. So it's really, uh, I'm amazed when they do get an ex- exact name. And that's why, or, or maybe they'll, a lot of them will say that um, because they really don't know when they say, well, I have an A name, you know, but sometimes they're really getting the sound. They're picking up on the sound like an AL something, but they can't make it out. It's hard, you know, it really is. So, I mean, that's different than a medium in a group setting saying, I have somebody with an A name of 50 people and, you know, somebody's going to, you know, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, the difficulties of translating the information from spirit into, into language. It, 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 it's not easy. I mean, I, I mean, I use the example, um, you know, so let's say the, the sitter's name is George. Um, so how does the medium communicate George? Well, one way would be maybe the medium shows uh, projects an image into the medium's mind of a dollar bill with George Washington on it. You know, it'd say, well, the medium will say, does George or Washington mean anything to you? Because <laughs> they saw the dollar bill. So it's, um, you know, like we always say, mediums get, they may get the same information, you know, but the difference between a good, me- so-called good medium versus a poor medium is their ability to interpret the information that they're getting, you know. So, yeah, or, um, or not interpret it, <laughs> not to try to just, just give what, here's what I see, here's what I've been given. And then oftentimes it makes no sense to the medium, but the sitter goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense in this way. And I've often seen the medium go, wow. You know, so. Yeah. Some the mediums themselves are amazed, right? When they. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, you know, for the earlier question about uh, cold readings and, you know, that sort of thing. There are a couple of things that people should know when they're sitting down to have a medium reading. There's an old expression, don't feed the medium. I mean, if you're concerned about whether you've got a legitimate medium or not, don't give them any information. Give them yes or no. When they say, does this mean anything to you? Say, yes, I can see that. But don't explain, oh, yeah, because my brother who died in this and that is... uh, that's feeding the medium and then they can go, they can run on that for an hour and then charge you your money and send you home. So don't feed the medium. The other thing is, and we get this question a lot, which is pretty interesting to me is don't go and sit in front of a medium, get a phone reading, a phone reading. They can only hear your voice. They can't hear you see your expression. They don't know if you're wearing a necklace with a, a religious symbol on it. They, they can't see your reactions. They can only give you the information. So if you're really concerned, if you're very skeptical about, you know, mediumship at all, do those things. Get a phone reading and go, give only yes and no answers. And if the medium's good, you're going to get some wow stuff. And uh, 
And even if they're not good, you might get something. It's like I say, every medium's different, and depending on the ability of the medium, will determine the the wowness of your reading. Yeah, um, I've been to group readings where the medium goes right up to a, a specific person and says, "I'm with you." Other times, they throw information out to the entire group and wait to see who acknowledges the information. Should all mediums be able to hone in on a specific person? Uh, you know, I. For, for, I'd say probably for the first couple of years, whenever we were had these groups, that's kind of the way the mediums were. I, you know, what I was witnessing is that they were going up in a group setting to a specific person and say, "I'm either with you or you." You know, they knew it was right. You know, right there, and then they would, you know, go on from there. And I thought that that's the way that all mediums, you know, worked. And then um, I think it was. Um, the first time that I watched Janet Nohavik work, you know, and what she did is she started off by giving pieces of information, but she wasn't just saying, I feel a heaviness in my chest. And so that means somebody, did somebody here, you know, have a loved one that passed due to a heart attack, you know, and then wait, usually in a big group, you know, to have 10 people raise their hand. But no, the way she worked is that she would give, seven or eight or nine or 10 pieces of specific information. And the odds of, of 10 pieces of information uh, fitting, you know, a lot of people are very, very slim. You know, the odds are in the, you know, hundreds of thousands to one, you know, that 10 pieces of information and you're going to take all of them, you know, and then somebody would raise their hand and she'd move to them. That's different than throwing out information and, you know, and and waiting for hands to go up. So, um, so a medium not not all mediums are able to go to a specific specific person and say I'm with you, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen it both ways. You know, I have to say I'm the one who's I'm the one who's doing the psychic thing now. Or Janet is with us because while you two were answering the the question before this one. This is the exact scenario I was going to describe at one of Janet Nohavik's reading and how she gives out, you know, seven pieces of information. And she says, who can claim that? And hands go up and she'll say, how many of those can you claim? And someone might say three. Well, how many of those can you claim? And the person might say, you know, all but the, all but the, the way he died. And she'll go, I'm, I'm with you. And, right. and I was p- trying to figure out my wording the whole time you guys were talking about the last uh, question. So yeah. Janet may be here with us right now. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, we can do a whole show on the misconceptions about mediumship. But, um, I mean, another thing, I'm sure you've heard it. I've heard it a million times that people say that mediums shouldn't charge for their services. Um you know, and, 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 and some don't, usually the ones that don't have another job and they're not doing it full time. But we always tell them what mediums are, have families and houses and mortgages and bills to pay. So they, they have to charge like, you know, in a perfect world, um, you know, doctors wouldn't charge people and lawyers wouldn't charge people, but you know, you have to still have to survive. So I don't buy that. You know, a lot of people think because they're working with people in grief and they're doing, 
so-called spiritual work that money shouldn't change hands, but this, that's just not the way we live, right? Right. Yeah, what about the undertaker, morticians and whatnot? They're dealing with people in grief every day. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's just silly. But uh, uh, <clears throat> no, there was a point that, well, move on. I've lost my thought. Well, the other misconception that a lot of people have um, is that mediums, because they know that there's an afterlife, because they do it every day, um, grief is not as bad for a medium when they lose somebody as it would be for for somebody else. So, um, and that that's really not the case because the mediums are human and they love um, and love you know we grieve because we love so they grieve the advantage that a medium may have which is an advantage that we hope that many members of the foundation have over others is that when you know that they can dig themselves out of of the 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 deep despair um you know occasionally by just going through the all the experiences they have maybe a reading they had with a medium or something that they learned or some other after-death communication um, so there's a, there's a distinct advantage of, I think, that people who believe in an afterlife have over those who don't, right? So, um, but we've seen mediums, the three of us have, that over the years that's suffered a, a loss and, and grieved terribly. So, yeah, uh, True. I'm guilty of that too, because I, you know, I remember thinking that, to, you know, well, the, you know, if a medium lose somebody, they, they, they could just talk to them at will so it's not so bad but mediums tell us what do they tell us they tell us that most mediums tell us that they can't communicate with their own loved ones yeah yeah um, and it's you know there's it's it's a deep loss when i think about people and and some have come to our events over the loss of a pet and those who have lost let's just say a child and somebody in the group says well i'm here because I lost my cat that shouldn't be um, made any less of uh, it. It's, it's a pure love that you had. I think some, in some ways it's almost stronger because you didn't expect anything from your pet the way yeah. we expect from other humans. So that's always a shame if somebody's made to feel like their grief isn't as important. Yeah. I mean, people grieve in all different ways and we can't possibly judge the depth of somebody's, somebody else's grief. So, um, and with pets, it's a good point. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people think of pets as their children, you know, so, uh, um, you know, they go through the same things as everybody else. Um, you know, if when, if in this life, if you're very close to somebody and they go to another state, you, you know, you want to, hey, I'm going to the movies. You want to, oh, yeah, I can't. Uh, oh, you know, I'd love to have a hug. Oh, no, you're in another state. But you know that they're coming back and you, it makes you feel like, okay, I, I miss them, but I know I'm going to see them again and it's not so bad. All right, that same person goes to another state, but then you don't hear from them and you don't know if they're ever coming back or you'll ever see them again or or if they're missing or if something's happening. 
and and then you start to churn and you get the agita and so if you're missing them is a lot more traumatic than if you know that you're gonna they're coming back and that's the very same thing for when people cross over yes the people who in our circle who understand that those they're not gone and that you will see them again it eases the grief but it doesn't eliminate it because again you can't just pick up the phone you you can't go to the movies with them you can't sit down and watch tv or a dinner or something all that stuff you can't do you still can't do right so you're you never and and as long and if you've loved them and 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 you're not going to stop loving them and you're not going to stop missing them. So grief is something that you, you don't get over, you get through. And, uh, and you know, if you're deep in grief, you think you'll never get through it, but eventually you find yourself laughing again or enjoying something again. So it's little by little, you get to get, your own life back after you've lost somebody but you yeah but it's not a matter of you're not going to cure that and you don't want to cure that i mean like i say everybody you've loved you love and uh, uh it just it just makes it a little easier if you know that you will see them again yeah you know i i think another misconception um is that we just assume that everyone that's in the afterlife can communicate. Um, and that may not be true, you know, I mean, and certainly not initially anyways, you know, I mean, we don't know exactly how it happens to begin with, but uh, some people in, you know, in the other realm may find it very, very difficult to, to, to communicate with the physical world. You know, maybe they're, vibratory level was too high or 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 they're not resonating with the person that they're trying to talk to but it doesn't mean that that they wouldn't like to and it doesn't mean that their love is not there it's just a delicate process um we've talked about this before but you know i think that people have there are mediums on the other side that help those in spirit communicate with in the physical so we may have the person in spirit with their medium in the spirit world <laughs> communicating to the person in the physical the sitter you know and the, and the sitter's medium so, so there might be four people involved in the process right true. You know, and maybe they're not mediums per se on the other side you know you can call them angels or spirit guides or whatever you want so i wouldn't i wouldn't be discouraged if you're not getting you know any communications because usually they come in time you know but it's but it's a learned process mm-hmm. um, and, and there's no the, yeah many of the questions today have been started with do all mediums and the answer is initially no because all mediums are not the same i mean you've they're the the different clairs. Uh, I think there's four or five different clairs. You're clairaudient, clairsentient, clairvoyant, which means, well, some people hear something, some people see things, some people smell things, and that's how they get their communication. So when you talk about uh, 
a medium in a room full of people who says, well, I'm either with you or you sitting next to each other. They're probably the ones who can kind of see an aura or a, or, or something that I've got a, there's a gentleman standing right behind you. They'll say they can see that. And you don't know if they're standing right behind this person or right behind that person. So they've kind of narrowed it down that way. So some mediums are like that. And then others, like I mentioned earlier, they'll, they have their symbols that'll be shown to them. Like the, you know, my uncle was a cop. So if I see my uncle, I'll think, okay, was he in a policeman? He was in a uniform, that kind of thing. So they get their information in different ways and they will, approach you in different ways as a result of it yeah i i think it's only fitting um if you remember we used to read um claude swanson's global peace prayer that you know know, um, claude believed that that we can change the you know our future you know if on a global level we all got synchronized you know and by thinking the same thoughts, we, we can affect change. So uh, let me read that um, in honor of Claude. Uh, we used to say what he said is, let us as one consciousness give our energy of loving thought by, pr- by praying like this, to love one another, to treat others as we would like to be treated, to forgive others and return love for hate, kindness for anger, to spread this feeling to everyone, to a fellow man, as well as the earth and its environment. And you guys used to say, Our loved ones are only a heartbeat away. And science is going to prove it. Good night, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week. Good night. night.